Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the DestroProds.com anime and manga podcast. As always, I'm your host, The Dead Man Show, but today we have Cora. Hello. There's another two for this week. We got stuff. We got things to talk about. Yeah, a little bit. I actually have a not inconsequential amount of things to talk about. I have a not inconsequential, but not necessarily consequential <laughs> amount of things to talk about. So what are some it's of those weird. I felt up? like I had more, but I'm looking at the list now. It's like, oh yeah, you got five things listed here. I have six. Okay. So what are some of the things you had to talk about, Cora? Well, I was actually discussing this with Deadman yesterday off mic, um, on mic, but off recording, that in the wake of playing Life is Strange, I was looking for various forms of romance that made me feel like there was actually hope in the world. And so I started watching one of the current romance series from this season, which is Fuka. And this is an interesting title in that it is very cliched, very contrived, but not necessarily terrible. But it... This was an odd duck, because Birdie pointed something out to me about this series that I was not aware of. Which is the fact that it's a sequel to a show that I already watched. That slipped under the radar. <laughs> uh, the premise, I'll start off with the premise of Fuka, because in all honesty, it, it exists almost entirely independently of the original series. So that's not necessary for context, but it's... A series where our somewhat uh, introverted main character encounters a female student shortly after he moves into Tokyo. He's out getting food and uh, someone crashes into him. And it leads to, of course, the four most contrived words in all of romance anime, which was, you saw, didn't you? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, and God. that is our titular character, Fuka. And it leads to a romance dynamic where he definitely has a connection with this character. She is interested in starting a band and he kind of gets roped into helping her in a way that is almost a little Haruhi Suzumiya in a way, which is never a bad thing. If a show can even slightly lean towards the Kion Haruhi dynamic, that's not a bad thing. Yeah. But there is, of course, a love triangle because I mentioned it is the most contrived uh, situation you can imagine involving his childhood friend who went on to become a pop artist and who he's largely had one of those distant 
online interactions with over the years afterwards. Where he could technically try talking to her, but generally just they've maintained their distance. But now that he's back in Tokyo, she's contacted him and clearly has feelings for him. And one thing I will give the show is that it avoids the problem that a lot of uh, triangle dynamics tend to have by ensuring that both characters feel like they could end up with this guy. The only real problem here is that the show is named Fuka, so we know which character he's supposed to end up with. (laughs) And you could say, oh, maybe the author would go against the grain, would like use that to mislead the audience. But again, I read the original, uh, well, watched the original series that this is technically a sequel to. I don't have that much faith in this author. Yeah, judging by what you've said so far, it seems like this is a best friend who looks like a monkey away from being the most contrived anime ever. Like, I will say that it usually is able to handle a lot of these cliches or contrived moments more deftly than one would expect. But I wouldn't go so far as to call the show good. In some ways, it's actually a little refreshing because it's been a while since I've seen a generic romance. You know, I haven't really watched any anime in recent memory where I just walked away like thinking to myself, this isn't going to leave any impact with me, but that was fine. So it's almost slightly refreshing in that regard. But the weird thing is, this is a sequel series to the series Suzuka, which I watched in fucking high school. (laughs) And Suzuka is a show that I remember as being, what if Love Hina wasn't complete garbage? (laughs) Not necessarily good. But just not complete garbage. And I, I won't, again, I really would not call Suzuka a good series. But that's, I, I remember small elements of the series, but I didn't remember the character designs. So when they showed up in this series, it did not even click in my head that, oh, this is connected. Yeah, it wasn't until Birdie pointed out that he does not like the author's tendency to connect, like, the he just doesn't care for this author, uh, Seo Koji. But the thing is, the lead couple of Suzuka are Fuka's parents. So... Welcome to the Suzuka anime universe. Oddly enough, yes, because there's another series that ties in. (laughs) Of course there is. Yeah, this is a thing. I think the other one only got adapted as like an OVA or something, but I don't really know. Yeah, it's... I'm not certain I can really recommend this series. Again, I do find it mildly refreshing. I've only watched the first four episodes so far. 
but I can definitely say I wouldn't recommend binging it because yeah, the cliche is kind of you need a while you need to detox from that. <laughs> but it's it's a very strange series for me because it is oddly nostalgic almost because of how long it's been since I've seen a generic romance like this. And the idea of giving it a musical backdrop, you know, of them forming a band is not a bad idea. I don't know why no anime have done that uh, previously. Oh, sorry. One second. Uh, it appears that my copy of Beck Mongolian Chop Squad flew off the shelf and hit me in the face. <laughs> um, but... to say, if it wasn't going to do it, I was. <laughs> this is no Beck Mongolian Chop Chop Squad. Yeah, that dog demands your fucking respect. <laughs> you did not get Frankenstein together. <laughs> but in, in a way, I do find it surprising that more anime haven't tried to blend that. I guess you could argue for Nana, but even then, that's... I feel like the music was less of the focus there. So... I honestly do feel that this show would benefit a little bit more if the music was even more of the focus. Yes, they're trying to set up a band, but it's coming around gradually, and I don't feel like it is the driving force here. It is very much the romance. And... I don't know that the romance can actually carry this show. Because, again, cliched as fuck. Yeah. But... It's not good, but it's not good in a kind of interesting way. It's the best way I can put this at the moment. <laughs> I'll probably stick with it for a little while. Maybe check out you know, some of the anime that Mother's Basement recommended on Valentine's Day in order to have something good. Which actually, Mother's Basement recommended Baby Steps, which is an interesting recommendation uh, for a good romance. But in some ways shows what I th think this show should be. Because, again, the music should be in the forefront, not the relationship. Yeah. But, yeah, I'll probably end up watching Love Stage, which is so... I, I hate to admit the fact that I'm very prejudiced against that genre of anime. I, I still... And that's not the reason I haven't gotten around to watching Yuri on Ice. I just haven't gotten around to watching Yuri on Ice. But, yeah. Yaoi is a genre that traditionally I've avoided or accidentally stumbled into in the case of, what was it, like, number six, number nine? There was some anime that stealthily became a yaoi and kind of was, like, a little surprising in that regard. But I don't actually recall the name of it. It was either number six or number nine, and I don't know. Hmm. But, Yeah. So, as far as anime, the rest is just straightforward stuff that I'm still following. Akka is finally moving towards a culmination of the plot. And I, I, I know that others have complained that it's not clearly building towards anything. That has changed, in my opinion, but I'm very much enjoying it still. I've enjoyed it every step of the way, because I like the world they're setting up, and I enjoy the characters. So... 
I get where Birdie and others are coming from, but it's still probably my favorite of the season. But I don't know. Anyway, but they're they're starting to reveal why the main character is so significant to this plot. And I really like the approach they've taken because I'm an idiot for not if ha- for having not figured it out before. I really should have figured it out. I have still not God, watched it. Put s- it's still in the docket. Like, they had so many hints. The prince of the country saw the main character's sister at a at his coming-of-age ceremony because she had been invited along by a mutual friend. Uh, and he had been investigating her, presumably because, oh, he found her attractive. No, no, that is so not fucking the reason. <laughs> like, that is... <laughs> Jesus. I so did not see it coming. <laughs> anyway, uh, it's not like a massive twist or anything. It's actually revealed kind of nonchalantly why our main character is significant to the potential coup d'etat that's brewing. But it, I, I, and actually, I like the fact that it's done subtly. The character just pretty much walks up to him and says, hey, Turns out this is why you're important. And <laughs> <laughs> because, yeah, no, she had been looking into him and finally figured it all out. So, yeah, I'm interested in where Akka's going to go. I might talk about that little, if you can call it a twist, uh, I might talk about that in the future. But for the time being, I think that was in the most recent, that was in the most recent episode. So, I'll hold off on that. Okay. Also, been f- also still following Yojo Senki, which has only had one new episode since I last spoke about it, because this week's episode was a recap episode. Yay! Yay. Which really it's... sucks, because I just got caught up on Yojo Senki. <laughs> How are you enjoying it? You weren't fucking kidding about burying that fucking lead. I told you, yeah. It is ridiculous. The like first episode fucking... is easily the least interesting episode in the series so far. Yeah, and it, it, which is really weird because it feels like it shouldn't be. Like it is, it is about a fucking, it is about a fucking nine-year-old girl flying around a fucking magic jetpack using magic bullets to blow up British people in the middle of a fucking trench field. And it is the most boring fucking episode because it is, there's no context for any of it. Yes. And the context is what makes this goddamn series. Yeah. And it it's really weird too, because knowing what, like knowing what it was going in, there is only one line that hints there might be something more going on. I don't even remember the line. Nor do I, but it's like, it's like the girls flying around is like, ah, oh, this fucking bullshit talking about some, talking about something that so, talking about something that like knowing what the knowing what the backstory is it has a different context in terms of like actually knowing but it you shouldn't have to know the plot of the series to have a line make sense yeah but yeah, yeah like fucking I... bnx is a piece of shit <laughs> 
<laughs> he is such a fucking dickhole. But then again, he's not the only one. No, I know. Like he is just he's just responding in kind to our main character. Yeah, there is a reason that is referred to as Saga of Tanya the Evil. Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> yeah, it, it, it's kind of hard to impart because, again, the first episode technically on its own isn't bad. It just isn't interesting. Yeah, it is. I feel like this would have worked because better if they did like a re-zero thing and had like a two episode premiere. Maybe or just midway through the first episode, reveal what the fuck is going on. You didn't need to spend the entire first episode explaining to us, hey, this nine-year-old is kind of twisted. Yeah, we could see that by looking at her. <sighs> the fact that she's a nine-year-old on a World War One-esque battlefield. Like, I... <sighs> It, it, as a pr- from a production standpoint, the decision they made there makes no goddamn sense to me. Nope, not at all. Because I, and I remember my reaction upon learning the full nature of the premise because you mentioned it during the podcast. Yeah, and I had no fucking clue because I, I tend to go into these things relatively blind. And and the weird thing is, by the time I got around to watching episode two, I had already forgotten the premise again. <laughs> so I did have that, oh, right, this was a fucking thing <laughs> reaction to the beginning of episode two. <sighs> Jesus. But things are moving. Shit is getting done. That is true. That fucking raid in the factory. Yeah, it's interesting. I would say that when it comes to which is the better series of this season, it's been a close, uh, generally been a close tie between this and Akka, except for the beginning, because again, I completely just dismissed this show based on its first episode. When yeah. I- Back when the series began, a season began, I only had the first episode of each series to look at. Akka was, in my opinion, the standout. But I feel that this is the more accessible series because it is uh, briskly paced. It its action is decent. I mean, it's not the draw for me, but it's good. I it has some nice. Uh, Lelouch-style curb-stomping moments of, hey, I'm going to use the fact that I'm a little girl to uh, make my demand for surrender sound completely ridiculous and then just bomb the shit out of a civilian target. Yeah. Well, uh, not civilian, but a manufacturing target. Yeah, it... It probably was like a civilian plant before, but just like repurposed into military purposes, but still full of civilians. But they do state that they specifically avoided the quote unquote civilian targets. So yeah. I wanted to correct to that. 
But yeah. It, it's... I was like, really have to give it to this voice actress doing uh, doing Tasha. A Tanya. I keep, Tanya is it, what, yeah, which, one, it was, which one is it? Tanya. Tanya, okay. I keep forgetting. I keep wanting mm-hmm. to say Tasha. I blanked out very briefly at the beginning, but I generally can remember it just because whenever they show the title, it has Saga of Tanya the Evil uh, written there. Yeah, but like she does a... She does a really good job kind of keeping the voice, no matter what, sounding like a child, but like different levels of like, like switching back and forth between her being like her being, you know, the fucking evil asshole, her being the like loyal soldier and her being an actual child. Yeah. And no, it's a good dichotomy. I, when midway through the second episode, she was born. It was slightly disorienting for a second to switch over to her voice because we had been dealing with this uh, Japanese businessman's inner dialogue for a little while yeah. throughout the second episode. But I'm very glad they didn't use his voice for her inner dialogue because I think that, in all honesty, that's, this voice actress is far more suited I, th- I think it works better, even though the cognitive dissonance of a male voice might have been interesting. I wonder how long this goes for. Like, do we ever see her like reach maturity, or is it all just her as a child? I don't know. I feel like I asked. I'm pretty certain it was regarding this series where I posited the question of what happens when she hits puberty. Would the f- would her sexuality remain consistent with her previous life or what? But, yeah. Yeah, the light novel series is based on a still going, but from everything I've read, it sounds like she is still a child. Hmm. Which is the same. I, I would, I would be interested in seeing where that goes. Like there was a, like each one of the episodes has a post-credit sequence that isn't really consequential. It's just kind of a little throwaway joke kind of thing. Like the first one is okay, not the first one. I think I think it was the second episode where you get to the end of the credits and it is it's like, hey, all right, so this this young, this young girl joined the fucking military. We need to get her out there for propaganda, and they doll her up as much as possible. Yeah, and just. Is the look of I'm gonna fucking burn this building down in her fucking face? <laughs> she is in that fucking dress with the makeup on, and she is just staring. I am so I'm very torn on after credits sequences because uh, Fuka does that a bit, but its after credit sequence sequences tend to lead into the next episode. So yeah, one I punch sometimes did actually that too. find myself yeah it. Those tend to annoy me a little bit because I often view the credits as the stopping point and chances are I'll end up. Yeah, okay. It might technically be rude to not watch the credits, but again, if they're in Japanese, I don't I'm not appreciating the people that are working them anyway if they're in Japanese, but because I'm not fucking fluent enough to read the people's names. Yeah, and plus, like, I. I go to other places to learn who worked on a series. Yeah, and 
So I, I'm always torn with the idea of after credits uh, sequences in anime, particularly when they're plot significant. I'm okay with the Yojo Senki's approach because, again, they're not significant. The most recent one involved, hey, she doesn't like having to deal with secondhand smoke, particularly in an era when people don't know what that is. That is definitely consequential to the plot. Oh, yeah, definitely. <laughs> uh, Yomushi Pedal did stuff like this, too, where it would just have post-credit sequences that aren't really important, but they do kind of help inform some stuff. Like, like- so next on my list, I've been reading Yomushi Pedal again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it did do that. I, fr- I, I didn't watch a ton of the anime, but I do remember it doing that. Yeah, it was kind of a little gag Amaki style jokes at the end uh, end of each episode. Yeah, just like a little kind of almost like a side story kind of thing of just the self-important secondary character. Uh, he's like starting to watch anime and stuff, and then main character runs up, is like, "Oh my god, are you watching anime?" Freaking out about him, he's like, "I don't know what to do. Please help me." They were fun, but not important. Yeah. But yeah, I have actually started reading Yaomushi Pedal again, which I was much further back than I thought I was. Like, I was like, okay, I probably left off around like chapter, you know, 270 or so. No, I was at 240. (laughs) So I've been working my way forward. I haven't even gotten to 270 yet. I do like the fact that when I when I was initially started reading this series, I was worried that after the inner high, it might come to an end, and that didn't that seemed like a logical stopping point, but not the best one because on- Onoda's growth hadn't really it felt like his arc wasn't complete yet. So the fact that they decided to continue onward into the second year of his, of his high school experience, I thought was a brilliant idea. Now, it remains a too silly a series for my taste when it comes to sports, but it's still enjoyable. Yeah. And I, I like where they're going with it. It's interesting to see the dev- the development of... Various characters like Mitosuji, uh, Mitosuji, I believe. Soul Eater guy? I guess. The one that looks like a cross between a lizard and a spider. Yeah, that's him. Yeah. Uh, I was, for some reason I was second guessing his name. Uh, his developments have been interesting. He, re, uh, I recently read some chapters where he faced off against their sprinter and that led for some interesting development for both of them. And it's intriguing because he's still an asshole very much so, but he seems to, in some ways understand how he's lacking a little bit more. 
and isn't quite so, I guess maybe disrespectful would be a way to put it, of other people's approaches to cycling. So I, I do find it interesting how they're dealing with the progression of the characters. But I, the reason, part of the reason I was worried that they might end it simply at the end of the, after the inner high was because a number of the main characters were seniors. So it seems strange that they would cut out a sizable portion of their primary cast, but no, it looks like they kind of did that. Yeah. That was the thing that actually, that was one of the things that initially got me interested in checking out Yomushi pedal was the fact that they did have, this is a high school series where they did the big high school tournament and then half the cast just left. Yeah. Which is something that not a lot of anime does. Like, like especially with like high school stuff and like sports stuff, uh, like everything that I've read for like high school sports, a lot of it has been like, we will stretch out this fucking tournament as long as we goddamn can. Yeah. Or they start early enough in the year that there are enough like tournament stuff in between in between like the beginning and end of their year that they can have things contained within one year and still have a decent length series. Like going back to my fucking stand going back to my one of my fucking favorites, Haikyuu. They started that at the beginning of the school year and have been to every tournament so far. Yeah. And yeah, now they're in now they're going to fucking nationals. Now they're in nationals. And it seems like if and it seems like if they were to continue forward after nationals were to happen. Yeah, they would be losing some really good characters. And and that's the thing about you, Alan Chappelle. They lost some of the best characters, in a sense, I really did like the uh, climber character. Yeah, with whose name I'm pretty certain also start with an M, but I cannot think of it for the life of me. Looking it up now. Okay, but they're able to handle that loss because of the strength of the rest of the cast. And they're quite clearly introducing new characters to help balance that. And it's, of course, not just for our primary cast. There's also the rivals that are losing their lead characters, in a sense. Makishima. Okay, thank you. Yeah, Makishima. Yeah. He was probably my favorite character of the bunch. So, yeah, it's... I'm interested in how it's progressing. I like how it's handling these elements. But, yeah, I'm I'm glad I started reading it again. It had been a, quite a while since I had read any of it. How far did you get in the anime and or manga? Uh, I got into the second season where they got into the last stretch of the inner high. Okay. They just introduced the guy who likes to grope people to steal their luck. Oh yeah. That asshole. That was a weird one. Yeah. That's kind of why that's kind of where I ended up stopping. Just, yeah, I don't want to watch a guy who's like, looks like he's half awake. Just molest people. 
Like, that's not even really why I felt that he was... Like, yeah, okay, that's definitely awkward, even if we're playing up the awkwardness a little bit with our the terms we're using to describe him. But yeah, it, it, as far just, as like villain... Kind of, kind of, it's not really most. He just kind of starts, like, rubbing his arms at, like, checking, basically, like, looking at, like, checking his musculature, kind of. Yeah. But still, but the even, way he talks about it, the way they do it, it's like, mm, yeah. Yeah, he was an odd one, because I don't actually remember him being that big a deal. Just because he fucking probably wasn't. Yeah. Like, his whole, his whole I'm thing... I'm pretty certain that he showed up just long enough for... Mitosuji to get a little bit of a rest and then come back with a vengeance. Yeah, his whole thing was everyone else, like, I make everyone else suck some so they fall over. Onoda's whole thing is, oh, I fall over, but I get back up and I fucking wreck house with this shit. Pedal like a He's motherfucker. He's a laughing magician. He's extremely lucky, but takes the luck from others. Yeah. Ugh. <sighs> But yeah, I'm setting aside the fact that I completely forgot that guy was a thing. Uh, <laughs> I, I enjoy the uh, series enough. It's not the strongest of sports series out there, but I, I think it's fun. I would get caught up on Haikyuu, but in a sense, the tournaments of Haikyuu did start to wear on me. And I set it aside and haven't had a strong desire to get back to it. <laughs> I would say my, I would give my opinion on it and recommend it, but as we've established, uh, I as we established, I my, my opinions on that are very well established, and like the last week, you don't really read, you don't really check out anything I recommend. Well, and the thing is, I don't think it, I'm certainly not saying it's a bad series or anything like that. Yeah. I was reading it from pretty, relatively early on. I definitely enjoyed it. I just, I, I did get that tournament fatigue that sports anime some uh, and manga sometimes have, where In a sense, I felt that the characters were starting to take a back seat to just the tournament itself, and I was getting a little tired of that. Uh-huh. Yeah, I get that. It is... I, I literally do not even remember who they were in a match against when I stopped. They were just in a match, and stuff was happening. Okay. <laughs> Might have been the one with the team with the guy that insulted the two of them that could describe a lot of teams he described them as weeds or something going oh sure Torizawa. concrete yeah yeah that right. is that is the that is the final match of the qualifiers to get to nationals that is yeah, the third I season i think that's where i stopped because i was just yeah like i said that tournament fatigue was just getting to me. But if you get back into it, don't uh, worry. They go to a bigger tournament. Yeah. I assumed. <laughs> Again, exactly why I stopped reading it for a while. <laughs> I'm certain I'll come back to it eventually, but yeah, that. <laughs> uh, 
And that's one of the things, like, Yamamushi Pedal definitely has a lot of instances of little races and stuff, but it doesn't have the same tournament dynamic. Where, okay, yeah, they'll have races amongst teammates and things like that, but you, when it comes to cycling, you don't have the tournament structure. Yeah. You know, the inner high operates as one single elongated race, and while that can get a little tedious. There are stopping points and resting points in between. And it's in some ways a very straight line. There's never the, Oh, are they going to be knocked out of the bracket sort of moment where you don't know if the tournament's going to go on for 30 more chapters or end right now. Yeah. So I think that's what uh, sometimes wears on me. Even Baby Steps has that problem sometimes. So. That's actually why I stopped. That's actually why I dropped Baby Steps a while back. Like they were in the middle of they were in the middle of that tournament where it was deciding whether or not main character would be would go pro or not. Yeah, and it was like, all right, yeah, I'll pick this up. And I yeah, they finally finished up. up with that, but yeah. Just imagine trying to keep up with that with monthly breaks. Oh, yeah, that'd be fucking terrible. Yeah. I kept having to go back like two chapters just so I'd remember what the fuck was going on. Uh, yeah, also been reading My Hero Academia and Vigilante. I really enjoyed the most recent chapter of My Hero Academia. It, I was skeptical of All Might's former sidekick, but it looks like they're having a couple elements converge now. Yeah. And I like how they're uh, progressing with that. Yeah, weird thing, though, in the most recent chapter, the it looked like the art wasn't done. Yes, that was definitely a thing that happened. Like the, it wasn't throughout the entirety of just it. Just a couple panels had, here and there just look unfinished. Like they didn't finish the inking on them or something. Yeah, that is definitely the case. It's not as bad as Hunter uh, Hunter would sometimes have, where it's like, okay, yeah, we just turned in a like the entire this entire chapter is a rough draft that nobody finished and might not possibly didn't even ink. It was like, whoops, we accidentally printed the name. Sorry. Yeah, no, that is straight up what Hunter 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 would do. <laughs> like, I, that's one of the reasons I stopped. It's like, okay, I have no idea which character's which because they don't have distinguishing features in like for six panels here. <laughs> I, I have to try and gather from context based on word balloons, and this is becoming a pain in the fucking ass. Yeah, that sounds terrible. Yeah. Is that why that series goes? This so is what you come to us for, people. The groundbreaking revelation that Hunter x Hunter has a kind of fucked up production schedule and process. Really? I never would have gathered that from every other month having a news story saying it's coming back and going on hiatus. Yep. <laughs> and according uh. to fucking every but according to fucking every other anime about anime, that's one of the tent poles of fucking Shonen. Yeah. Anyway. 
Like, I mean, I'll say this for the mangaka, the art for Hunter x Hunter, while not necessarily great, I've never considered him to be a great artist, you know, Yu Yu Hakusho was not a sight to behold. No! But, <laughs> but he does have a creativity when it comes to designs. So, usually when the, you know, on those rare occasions where the pages were finished, uh, it may not have looked clean, but it always looked creative and the characters were distinctive. Take that away and... (sighs) (laughs) Yeah. So, yeah... The most recent chapter definitely had that quality, and I definitely noticed it. And it's a testament to how clean My Hero Academia tends to look that that was so distracting. Because those panels weren't bad. I could tell who every character was. I could tell what was going on. Yeah. It was just sketchier in terms of quality. But... Yeah, that was strange, but it's in some ways almost a testament to how polished that manga tends to be. Yeah. This has been one of the better looking manga that I've been reading lately. Yeah, it's... I've often stated that it definitely has a very distinctive style, and I can't really think of anything else that... I would say has a similar quality to it, which might have to do with its inspiration from Western comics. You know, you can see that in certain characters like All Might, but I don't know. Like when the closest I can think of is "Eh, Soul Eater has a few similarities. (laughs) Yeah, that's because again, Soul Eater. Say what you will about it. Fucking distinctive art style. Oh, absolutely. That guy is... That guy has a very... His style is very him. Yeah. So, yeah. I'm I'm interested in where they're progressing with this. I hope that... (laughs) You know, I I definitely did a double take when I saw those panels. Because they were... It was also very contained. It wasn't across the entirety of the chapter. It was a couple panels in the middle that did not look finished. Yeah. Just just like, chapter's going fine, chapter's going fine, chapter's going fine. Oh, that's not finished, then chapter finishes fine. <laughs> yeah. Just like there, like that, that fucking page got caught in the shuffle of the manuscript or whatever. And nobody finished any of the shit they had to do on it. And they just shipped it in. And the editor's like, yeah, this is fine. Actually, speaking of tournament structures sort of undermining manga, I guess I will talk about the one other manga that I read a bit of uh, since we last spoke. New chapter of Welcome to the Ballroom. I don't remember what happened in it. I forgot that in the came middle out. Of the tournament. <laughs> yeah. But I like I went into it, I'm like, I don't remember what's going on. And now I don't remember what happened in it. Because <laughs> they're in the middle of a tournament, I think. I think the bitchy... In fact, I know they are. I think the bitchy former best friend and like dancing partner got booted from the tournament. 
That did happen. The way you said that makes me think it didn't now. It did. And main character was being insecure. Oh, no, right. Uh, fucking the... The gaunt... Uh, Hyodo, got, uh, Hyodo, he fucking popped out main character's shoulder. Oh, yeah, I was talking... But the gaunt sort of... He's not... A, I don't know if rival would be the appropriate word, but... The, the jackass. Yeah. I mean, I actually like the character, but... Yeah, yeah I like the, the character, jackass. but in the... Uh, the char- the character's fine, but, like, in the... In the context of the story, he is just a big old fucking jackass. He is yeah. just, the, he's just, he works within the story, but he's also kind of one of the worst kind of people. <laughs> Watching him interact with his, what were they, his nephews? Yeah, I think so. <laughs> that was actually a lot of fun. Yeah. It helped a lot they, with him. Yeah. And I always got the, like, uh, sense that he wasn't, despite his abrasiveness, he wasn't, like, a terrible person. But, <laughs> yeah, I, I liked how they added to his characterization. Yeah. But, yeah, it, it's... Monthly series kind of do suffer a little bit with those tournament dynamics, because not only do you have the same problems, but you have to remember what the fuck was going on in the context of the tournament, and that can be a pain in the ass. Yeah. Because I literally remembered none of that until you started talking. I'm like, right. That's because I just reread it as we were talking about it. It was like, oh, right, like, yeah, it all came fucking, back to me. He, like, fucking popped but, the shoulder, and then that made him, like, spin out of control. Yeah. And the main character's like, hey, fuck you, jackass. Fucking piece of shit. Why don't you just fucking tell me the goddamn fuck? Which, yeah, that is kind of a thing of... It is kind of a thing, like, with this series that I've noticed is everybody who, like, tries to teach the main character something doesn't ever teach him shit. They just say, hey, watch this, or hey, let me do this to you, and then hope he fucking finds out what it's supposed to do. Yeah. The watch this part kind of works, because, again, they emphasize the fact that he is very much a visual learner, that by observing, he can very quickly grasp the key elements and attempt to emulate, even if he doesn't perfect it very quickly. Yeah, but then there was that bit so, of him watching his fucking... I can never remember any characters' names in anything. Fuck. Yeah, I don't remember any of the characters' names from that series. Yeah, like main, main, like main guy, national level dancer who introduced him to dancing. Yeah. He, he, was, he was like in a fucking tournament. He's like, All hey, night. watch this. And then he started doing this weird fucking gyrating shit. Main character yeah, tried... I'll just call him All Might. <laughs> Yeah, yes, we said, like, hey, watch closely, your lesson's about to begin, and then he fucking does this weird dancing thing where he just says, hey, fuck the fundamentals, I'm a fucking do weird snake shit or whatever. And then main character tried to do that, it's like, oh, it appears he's gotten worse. And it isn't until he just, it isn't until main character runs up a screen, it's like, what the fuck was I supposed to learn from that shit? 
Yeah. He's like, fuck you, dude. Just go back to fundamentals, you little shit. But in a sense, the people teaching him visually is fine. I don't like it when they don't explain stuff to him. Yeah. Yeah, that can be... It's... I don't want to say contrived, per se, but it's just sort of so they can have that... Oh, this is why that was all the case. Uh, sort of moment on the dance floor. It's like, yeah, you, you didn't have to do that. Yeah, it just feels. Well, you could have still had him be surprised, even though he knew it was supposed to loosen him up. Yeah, it feels like a really manufactured way to try to build tension and otherwise kind of like boring progression of chapters. Because this is that's all this is. It's just fucking nonstop dancing. Yeah. And they and they they can't really have the because of the way they do sports stuff they can't really have the oh will they be will they be fucking booted out of this bracket or whatever fucking bullshit usually happens in like sports tournament things. We have to build some suspense. Quick, the next chapter will be like a tarantella that has gone off the rails. My word, my limited dance knowledge <laughs> is being applied in whatever way it can. Uh, he rotated his yeah. ankle in a slightly wrong way, and now he can't really do the quick step right. Oh, my God. <laughs> trying to remember what literary work it was that... His dancing partner's too used to being the leader tell. instead of the follower. Oh, my God. What's going to happen now? Maybe it was the doll's house that brought up the Tarantella. I'm trying to figure out where I first familiarized myself with that the existence of that dance. Anyway. Anyway, what were we talking about? Yeah, we were talking about Welcome to the Ballroom. We were talking about something before that, though, weren't we? We were all talking about My Hero Academia before that, but it just, my brain jumped. That was supposed to be my last thing, but I was like, all right, there was a sixth thing in the form of a new chapter of Welcome to the Ballroom, which kind of serves to build on the earlier discussion of Yaomushi Pedal. So I brought that up. Otherwise, I'm done. Okay, then. So, my stuff. Uh, so, talk about Yojisenki. I uh, watched another anime. I started watching All Out. I am... What is Rugby. That? That's right. This series is really gay. Yeah, I kind of got that impression. Like, we fucking talk about Days. So, Days is a lot more... Days from what I remember that from what I remember of the first half, first episode that I watched. It was a lot more of the yaoi style of stuff of just this fucking amazing, beautiful person just kind of flows into the thing. And it's like, oh, hey, I'm fucking amazing. You want to go do this bullshit? And then love happens. Yeah, I'll say this about days. That first episode is easily the gayest thing in the entire series based on what i saw and read yeah meanwhile in which don't get me wrong that's fine i i don't have a problem with the series doing that it's just that it felt weird in that context like it wasn't i wasn't clear on whether or not that was the intent when we describe something as gay we are not going oh it's fucking gay we mean it is actually kind of homosexual and that it is and usually if it's a complaint, it's because the context or reasoning behind that connection 
doesn't seem clear. Trust me. When I do eventually get around to watching the show, what is it, Love Stage? Or, I keep forgetting the name of it. Yeah, you said Love Stage. I'm not going to complain that, oh, it turns out the show is really gay. Yeah, fucking Yuri on Ice. I know that going in. Yeah, the fucking, one of the best things about Yuri, one like my pros about Yuri on Ice was how gay it was. Yeah. Yeah, I just wanted to contextualize that complaint because saying, oh, it's really gay can sound like it's homophobic when in truth it's more a problem with its implementation. Yeah. Yeah, like, so with All Out, it draws and It's like, All Out. <laughs> well, so with, <laughs> so with All Out, it, the way that it kind of... There, there are a few scenes in here with one of our characters. I don't even know if I can call him a main character. He's like, he's kind of a cover character. He's the really tall blonde one. Yeah. The way he moves and handles himself is very feminine, incredibly feminine. And so whenever he interacts with our main character, Gion, the way they animate it is just a lot of pink backgrounds and fucking soccer pedals and shit. And it all feels like it feels like Ori Monogatari in a sense, kind of. <laughs> Just the way the music swells, the way that they fucking animate his face, and the way he blushes, and the way he looks at Gion. It, like I, I watched the first episode, maybe two episodes. That's the gayest episode of them all. Yeah. Well, I'm trying to remember how they looked, and uh... so so Gion is like fucking. Four foot nothing almost. He is incredibly tiny. Brown hair. The other guy is like fucking six eight or something. Blonde hair. Real fucking pushover. Except once Gion says, hey, fucker, go play rugby well. At which point he remembers, oh, I'm playing rugby. As a plot with that uh, is... Uh, yeah, so the one that James would say looks like me. Yeah, so Iwashimizu, I believe is his name. Uh, he is the tall guy. Gion's little guy. Uh, Iwashimizu has, or I'm just gonna call him Tree Trunk because that's what Gion calls him. Yeah. So Tree Trunk had been playing uh, rugby for a few years. Uh, stopped playing because of real traumatic incident in his past that played out well in the show. I think. God, that captain's hair is ridiculous. Oh yeah, I'm I'm a get to that. <laughs> I I just completely forgot. Like outside of the main character's design, because the main character's design is really basic, and I was kind of conflating the tall blonde, long haired character with the tall blonde, long haired character from Days. So I couldn't really remember how he actually looked in All Out. Well, he's a tall blonde, like, short haired character. To be fair. Uh, his hair's long by Japanese standards. Like, you look at it, it's... Long by Japanese standards, but the guy from Days has actually long hair. Yeah. Yes, but I remembered his hair being longer because of that, because I was conflating the two characters a little bit. <laughs> so, but you look at the team, it's like, yeah, he pretty much has the longest hair of almost anybody there. Unless you count whatever the fuck is going on with, <laughs> again, uh, I think I'll it's get the to that. Or something. Yeah, 
so yeah, one of the yeah, so uh, two kind of main characters, Tree Trunk. He has been playing rugby for a while. Joan doesn't know what a rugby is, and it is it is shocking how stupid he is sometimes. Because like there are, there are some things where there's some like rugby terms where he's able to like where you like hears them and then he's like okay yeah so I learned that. But then they do something simple that's kind of ubiquitous. He didn't know what a tackle was. Yeah. Like, he goes out there and he's like, oh, try. I know what that is. Tackle. What's a tackle? Is that a rugby move? Yeah. And it is... It is incomprehensible to me how he is able to... How he's able to fucking figure out how he's able to function on a rugby team. Which is funny because he actually doesn't. Like, unlike other... Unlike some other things, other sports anime that I've watched, the fucking new guy who doesn't really know anything about the sport and is learning of it, he's not any kind of genius. He actually kind of fucking sucks. Yeah. You and can make so, an argument for days, even though they kind of oversell, oh, how impressed everybody is with his enthusiasm. But yeah, no, for the longest time, the main character of days is borderline useless. Yeah, like, Gion is learning. He's been playing rugby for about a month. He's been playing rugby for about three months now. At the point where I'm at. Mm. And they have shown improvement. Like, he's been getting better at, like, catching and throwing the ball. He's been getting better at, like, tackling and stuff. He's been, he's been like, figuring out what position he can play on the team. But he's still incredibly novice, and so him going out there is a bit of a joke. Even like even when he's doing well, even when the show says, "Hey, you are doing well," everybody else around him is like, "Dude, what the fuck are you doing?" Like he started playing flanker, which is a position I have heard of, and so and so flankers have like a specific thing supposed to do, like where they're supposed to be and stuff. He's just like, "Oh, hey, you have a ball tackle, you have a ball tackle," and everyone's like, "Dude, do you know how to play fucking flanker or not?" It's like, "Yeah, totally, I know how to do it." tackle people right because the only thing he knows how to do but but I I do kind of like that I do like that it is kind of like his whole thing is also the you know I never get like I have the drive to never give up and dot 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 like the days guy but they like acknowledge that and also show him making real improvement without it ever feeling like he's making fucking leaps and bounds. And and nobody and nobody really and anytime people really act impressed is when he does something impressive. Again, unlike days where I ran at the ball real good. And then everyone's like, Whoa my god, he like fucking did some amazing bullshit by running at that ball real good. Meanwhile, this people act impressed when he fucking flips the captain, which is actually something impressive. But speaking of the fucking captain, the character design in this show is fucking ridiculous. Yeah. I mean, there are, there are a number of reasons I didn't stick with this series. First of all, full contact sports. 
There, there is the thought that goes through my head, or went through my head early on in the first episode that I couldn't let go of and ensured that I was not going to follow the series, which is all these kids are going to have brain damage. And <clears throat> I was like, okay, yeah. Yeah, it's a bit hard to do like a real rom- like manga. Manga has, a t- manga has a tendency to romanticize, you know, sports and stuff. Kind of hard to romanticize, like, oh, hey, you have, like, nine concussions, child. Like, I mean, particularly with rugby, I mean... There is no pattern. Yeah, iShield 21 got away with it a little bit more because, A, it was cartoonish, and, B, they at least have helmets. Not that that does that much to prevent concussions, but it does something. Yeah. (laughs) But fucking rugby. Ugh, Jesus. Rugby's protective gear is let's fucking Velcro this half of a volleyball onto your head. Ugh. Yeah, like character design. So the character design of this show is all over the fucking place. Like we have our main guy. He is he is fine. Like he is he is short, bulky. He looks he looks fine. From there, we go into some JoJo ass characters. Yeah. Like Tree Trunk and other people of his size. And then we have the weird ones. Like there's the captain who appears to staple strips of manganese on man, um, magnesium onto his fucking head. He, from the looks of it, is probably relatively closely related to Yugi Moto. Yeah, we have another guy who just has horns. Yes, you do. Just horns that are coming. Like, it's but it's but it's really stupid because the horns come directly out of the side of his head. But whenever he is wearing the fucking helmet, they're coming out of the front of his head. We have one. We have one guy whose face looks like a fucked up potato with eyes that look like they were drawn wrong. <laughs> there is a character who has like weird like tails coming out of the back of his head. And who looks like he spends most of his time applying mascara? I guess Daze's rosy-cheeked protagonist isn't looking as bizarre now. <laughs> Actually, yeah. We got, we got one guy who looks... Who looks like he'd be voiced by Phil Hartman, who is... He is a 35-year-old man. There's there's one guy who just has black and yellow eyes and nobody like, nobody acknowledges it. <laughs> uh, the, Jesus. Okay, the, if this is there are two ways this series could possibly convince me to uh watch/read it. The first is if it does turn out to actually be in con, uh, continuity with Yu-Gi-Oh. Because these are some fucking Yu-Gi-Oh ass designs. Yeah. And two, if they had a crossover with friends, <laughs> like Ross Geller is out there on the rugby field going red Ross. It's like, okay, yeah, no, that I'll check that out. See, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so yeah, those are the, pro- those are the main problems I have with it, but something I do kind of like about it is that. Oh yeah, the final thing with uh, character design. There's one character whose fat seems to have reverse gravity. 
like he has a lot of face fat, but instead of it being like you know, it's kind of bulging out and like being a bit down or around his chin, it is all up on his cheeks. Like 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 we actually see we actually like his fat deposits floating up, so they're closer to his eyes than his chin. Like he has a single chin and like nine pairs of cheeks. Mm-hmm. It's weird as shit. Yeah, and I didn't get to. I wasn't introduced to that many of the characters in the first episode or two. I really don't remember, but. Yeah, even then, I was like, these are some weird-ass fucking character designs. Yeah, and actually, that's another thing, with the fucking cast. And, and the thing is, even with the main characters, like like the ones that are technically more traditional, there is something inherently weird about the design approach to them. Like, yeah. It feels like a sports anime from like 15 to 20 years ago. With them, except that one of them is a Bisho- like Bishonen character, so yeah. it's got this weird. Bl- I know what it is. Is like you took characters from a variety of different genres yes. from a v- variety of different times and threw them all together. Absolutely, it's like a tree trunk was pulled out of some fucking love stage bullshit. Yeah, kind of. And so with the cast being the size that it is, because this is a team of 24 people. I don't know who the fuck half of them are. And in the most recent episode, a bunch of them started quitting. And so it's supposed to be this real big dramatic moment where like the fucking captain runs out to try to grab one of the guys, call him by name. It's like, hey, dude, fucking we got to get doing this. And he's like, oh, God, I haven't been eating. I've been throwing up everything I eat. I haven't been able to sleep. Everything's been going to shit. But I just fucking love That's rugby, what happens man. when you have severe concussions. Yeah. And especially when you've been fucking... They've had to... The fucking training regiment these guys have had is has been ludicrous. Like in... Like in fucking... Uh, before they got a coach. Because for like the first eight episodes, they didn't have a coach. They trained for three hours straight with no breaks. And they get a coach, and the coach is like, hey, you, captain, what the fuck is wrong with you? You fucking piece of shit. This is, these people need to eat. But that that is one of the things I actually do kind of like about the series, is that everybody has a, ch- everybody grows. It isn't just everybody is, like, at a level of, hey, this is where we're at, you need to get to us. And... I'm assuming we're talking about character growth because physically, I don't know that that's really any like possible for most of these character designs anymore. Oh no, physically they can only shrink. <laughs> like th- this will be the fucking in fucking twenty years, these people will be the fucking thirty-five-year-old Japanese businessman who looks fifty and is about three feet tall. Like if you're that <sighs> big in fucking adolescence, that's gonna break bad for you. But yeah, so having so having them like having every character have a chance to grow, even if it is like having every like character that matters have a chance to grow and like learn shit 
is good. It it is it reminds me of a Haikyuu thing where they fucking get a coach and all of a sudden every single one of them is like, oh, I can actually do things better. What? Yeah, it is a it's a series with problems. But I have been liking it enough with like main character attitude. I've been liking his relationship that has been kind of developing between some of the different characters. I'm liking their progression as a team, not just as individual players. And I do kind of want to see where this goes. This isn't for everybody. Yeah. And yeah, I know. Like I, I'll straight up admit, I'm not joking when I say that concussion thought just literally ruined the ability for me to watch this sh- show. Yeah, like, that is entirely I, understandable. Yeah, I was like, this. I'm actually kind of morally offended by this show on some level because I'm worried that high schoolers might try and start rugby teams. Like that. Yeah, like, it's not a good idea. At least Hajime no Ippo has a decency to say, hey, what you're doing is literally destroying your body. Yeah. And again, because in a sense, that's an instance where the fact that it's not a team sport really works to its benefit because it's his own decision. There's no pressure from others that he needs to keep this up. It's what he's decided he wants to do. When it's a team dynamic, it starts becoming a bit more unnerving. Yeah, just like mob mentality forcing you to destroy your body for the greater good. Yeah. Which does kind of seem to be what they're doing. Like, half the fucking team is, well, like, every, every one of the fucking, like, jobbers on the team, they're like, this fucking training regimen is ridiculous. What the fuck are we doing? And then one of the Bainer characters will physically assault him saying, what are you doing, you piece of shit? We need to work harder. You need to work till you fucking throw up, you garbage person. At which point the coach is like, yeah, that's fine. Go ahead and do that. (sighs) Meanwhile, their fucking school advisor, their teacher is like, teacher, for we don't we don't meet him until like episode 12. And then when we do meet him, he says, this team is garbage. They will never amount to anything. Then comes out to the field to watch them play and says to their faces. Just give up, you fucking worthless pieces of shit. Ah, yeah, like it's interesting because I never got the impression that this is a bad series. It's not. I, I won't. I won't say that. It, I, I will has, say it is not bad. It has problems. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. No. And I wasn't suggesting that you were implying that either. But it is interesting that all of the factors that people might potentially be taking issue with are the things that immediately convinced me. Yeah, I'm not going to be following this. It's like, oh, what a bizarrely wide array of character designs yeah that's distracting to me oh what an unconventional sport slash brain damage dispenser of an idea they fucking say that in the show one of the characters only started playing rugby because he was a fucking violent maniac and according to the show's own words this is like fucking rugby is just fucking bare knuckle boxing with rules. Yeah. Like I, 
don't get me wrong. I know that America is not likely to alter the rules of football anytime soon, but I really think they should. I'm not up in arms about it because, again, I really don't follow sports outside of the context of anime. Yeah. So I, I don't have any real interest in football and it doesn't tend to occupy my thoughts very much but i it does kind of unnerve me that yeah high school students are incurring brain damage from it yeah and rugby is far more like violent yeah it's so i i never really thought about it in like you know the wider context i've always just been thinking about it like like i know rugby is a is an incredibly damaging sport yeah, but I've been approaching. I've been like looking at this and kind of approaching it in that these are not people. Yeah, and I, I get that, but it's one of those things where the moment I had that thought, that really hurt my ability to enjoy this series because anything pertaining to the sport immediately kind of turned me off from the series and actually again how how violent has actually been like one of the things that i've been enjoying the most about it because they have been doing a great job the the image app is doing a great job of making every hit look and sound incredibly powerful and I, i got that impression from the little bit that i saw but again an element that could turn people off and definitely turned me off from the series. Yeah. So yeah, it's just all these little factors that don't necessarily make the show bad. They just turn, they just turn off the people. Yo, yeah. So if you out there don't mind ludicrous character designs and high school children getting irreparable brain damage, all that's for you. Moving on to manga, to a series I caught up with and immediately dropped, Iris Zero. So, in Iris Zero, uh, a few generations back, the world's population began giving birth to people who had eye-based superpowers, which is they could see things that nobody else could see. You that people wouldn't believe. Yeah, so like some of them, so some of the ones that have been in the series have been like, oh yeah, I can see who is in love, I can see like who is in love with who by looking at arrows over their head. I can find the most qualified person for a given job. I can see probabilities of shit happening. I can see death on people. See beams glittering around the tent house again. Sorry, couldn't not follow it up. <laughs> Yeah, so as so as these powers started to get more and more out there, uh, people who weren't born with the powers began being uh, began like having being prejudiced against way harder, being called Iris Zeros. Our main character is one such Iris Zero, but it doesn't matter because he's amazing and awesome and super duper awesomeness. This is an oddly similar dynamic to how My Hero Academia started off. A little bit, but it is... So, 
imagine if in My Hero Academia, instead of All Might giving uh, Deku the power, Deku was already so amazing, he convinced people he had a power. Mm. That's basically what this is. Like, like for a very good chunk, like for a good chunk of the main character's life, he was able to convince people he had an iris because he was just that amazing at reading people. Like his his whole thing is that because he is because he can't because he doesn't have powers, he's able to empathize more and essentially read people's minds, and is able to kind of like guess how they're going to work, guess how things work. So much of it is. So much of it is, hey, we have a mystery we need to solve. Somebody's doing this. Somebody's doing that. And then by the end of it, main character's like, oh, yeah, I knew from the fucking beginning. But I didn't do anything because if I did, then fucking bullshit wouldn't have mattered. And yeah, so it is this. So yeah, it is. So there's one person in the school who has the ability to see who to see if somebody is qualified for something or not. And so she needs to find a new student body president. And it's like, all right, all right, nobody, I can't see anybody around here who, who could be a student body president. I need to find somebody who would help me find somebody. And then she comes across main character. He's like, hey, you, help me do this shit. And then things spiral out from there. And it's all really boring. Mm-hmm. Like, there are one or two elements that are kind of interesting. Like, main character has a best friend who always wears these really long sleeves. And I was like, oh, that's a character thing. Uh, turns out he actually used to slit his wrists. Because he could see death on people. And when he sees death on people, it's, it's like it's like him seeing death on people kind of made him a nihilist. Mm. Until, he met his, until he met main character. And it's like, hey... Fuck you, I guess. Or whatever. I don't fucking care. This series is fucking boring. (laughs) Like, art-wise, it is not the worst. It's just all really flat. None of it really stands out to me in any real way. There was no scene. There was no panel in this where I looked at it. I was like, oh, man, that's fucking awesome. Like, in a My Hero Academia kind of situation where there there are multiple panels in that where I will look at that and go, fuck, dude. Like that, like the reveal of shoot style, that still fucking sticks with me. And character design in yeah, that. Based that, on the art that I've seen for this series, it looks generally relatively generic. Yeah, that, like, that's there's what some is. imagery that doesn't look bad, and the. I would say. If, if I had to criticize it based on a very brief overview, I would say that it looks like the artist has a strong sense for the fundamentals and layout, but not necessarily design. Yeah, this is textbook manga. Yeah. There are some interesting images and layouts that I'm seeing, but the character designs are all very basic and... I'll say this, the school uniforms at least look like something that somebody could hypothetically wear in some version of reality as opposed to some other manga where they're like, hey, we'll just come up with the most ridiculous fucking thing we can come up with just so our the outfits look unique. Yeah. 
So I'll give it that. I'm glad that they avoided the lazy out for trying to create a distinctive uh, artistic design, but they still don't necessarily have something that makes it their own from the looks of it. Not at all. It is a very... This series feels like... This series feels like a tutorial manga, almost. Like... This this is something you would give. Uh, this is something the you, visualizations of some of the abilities do look pretty good, though. Yeah, every once in a while there will be something like the flock of black butterflies and stuff like that. I'm seeing images like that that do have a nice, distinctive quality to them. It's just that the characters at their core are still looking pretty basic. Yeah, like even that, like the black butterflies thing. I am almost 100 percent certain I have seen that somewhere before. Oh, yeah, it's not the most original thing, but it is implemented... Again, layout is appears to be one of their stronger elements, while character design is not. So And character writing they, is not either. Okay. I can't judge that from the art. <laughs> yeah, all everybody so far has... The, the only character that's ever really stood out to me was the guy who could see the black butterflies. Because mm. it's kind of been the most depth of a character that we've seen so far. Everybody else is kind of just you, 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 what you see is what you get. Except with our main character, who is basically a Mary Sue. Like, like, yeah, he's prejudiced against by the rest of the student body, but he's so amazing it doesn't matter. Like, like, in, like in this world, like this is a problem that only really matters in high school. Because the rest of the world doesn't have irises. Like, it's only got kind of like the last couple generations. So, like, people around his age with these powers. Like, in the school, there is only one person who is not a student who has an iris. And so, going out into the world where the vast majority of the population will not have an iris, he's going to do fine. Because as things have been, as multiple pieces of fiction have been shown, have shown us, as well as reality, the old guard, when something new begins to come in, will dig their feet into the fucking ground and wait until they are pulverized into a fine paste before they give anything up. So odds are, out in the real world, people with irises will be, will be prejudiced against more than our fucking main character. Who is a fucking magic person already. The only... Th- yeah, uh, like the character stuff the is... Like, the thing is, it sounds like a not particularly great series that is not great in a way that's kind of interesting. <laughs> not even that. Like, it's not... Yeah. It's not great in the ways you expect it to not be great. Like, the art rarely stands out. The character writing rarely stands out. Any kind of design-wise stuff rarely stands out. It is just... Again, like, outside of one or two panels, this feels like something you use to teach somebody how a manga flows. Uh, I see what you mean. Got a question. I got an image of a girl with bandages over her eyes here, and I am mildly curious. Oh, yes. uh, That was... That was from the most recent storyline where a girl, where a girl who had a twin brother, she was an iris zero. Her brother had an iris 
Then her brother died, and she got horribly injured in the eyes, so they did an eye transplant, and she got his iris. Okay. Which isn't really his, which isn't really his iris. It's actually him living inside of her eyeballs. Wasn't that, like, the plot of, like, Gothica or something? I, d- I don't fucking care. Okay. This book's Me boring. neither. It's just like, that sounds oddly familiar. Like, no, I don't know no, that it, old no, story. It's, it's a Jessica Alba horror movie called The Eye. Okay, thanks. Yeah, like, her brother had the iris to see probabilities of stuff. It's like... It's like, all right, I want to go do this. There's 100% probability if I go that way, it'll work. And so then when he died, she got the power, but her iris was wrong sometimes. But it wasn't that her iris was wrong. It was that it was her, it was, it was that her iris was being filtered through her brother. So now there is, so now there is a person living in her eyeballs, which serves as her superpower. You'd think that'd be interesting, but it's really not. <laughs> anyway, the rest of the stuff I read is all new stuff. So first up is Jagan. I say it like that because in the official title, there are six A's in the second half of that word. Yeah, I saw that. So this one is similar to stuff I've talked about before. Wherein it is a series that is kind of very much about gore and kind of body horror. But it works like a shonen series. Kind of. So so before so like it is so in the series, uh there these things are called frenzied frogs or frenzy frogs. Which are frogs with human hands and feet crawl inside people and make any stress that they have manifest themselves as physical mutations that cause them to go crazy and start murdering people. One guy, our main character, a cop, who wants to really murder people a lot because he wants to be like the town mascot, which is an eggplant with two pistols. One day while on the train, uh, sees a guy, be- sees a guy like being horribly fucking abused by his boss. At which point his boss turns into like nine mouths inside of his mouth with a tongue that could rip people's heads off. So he goes to shoot him, gets the gun knocked away. Then his hand turns into a gun, like this weird mutated, horrible fucking flesh gun. Then when he shoots people with it, they just straight up explode. Then a tiny owl shaped like a ball wearing 1940s aviator goggles shows up and says, Hi, you have a special you have a special arm gun. That means you're going to help me save the world from these frenzied frogs. Here, snort my poop. Sounds like a very weird spinoff of Parasite. They bring up Parasite in this. <laughs> oh, okay. Like he's looking at his hand. It's like, this thing looks like fucking Miggy. Whatever. What the fuck's happening? It kind of it, it doesn't, but I get where he's going from because it is just one arm of his has mutated into this horrible fucking bullshit. Yeah, I saw an image of it. 
see, yeah, like it is, it is taking, it is taking like a kind of like the aesthetic of those weird horror series that I talk about on this show sometimes, and kind of making it a bit more. They're taking, they're taking it to before the apocalypse actually happens. Like it, like this guy is, this this character is basically what you would expect from somebody in one of those series. He is. He hates everybody. He kind of wants to just straight up murder people. He forces his he forces emotions onto himself. He like one of, one of the big plot points in this is that for a long time and kind of still he fakes smiles with people. Like he just kind of is he tries he tries to fuse situation by just smiling, but it is the most horribly fake smile you've ever seen. Mm. And so and so he's like, and so he is he wants to be like this town mascot, which again is an eggplant with pistols. Uh that old chestnut. Yeah. So he wants to be that kind of hero. He wants to be the guy who just kind of goes out, shoots up the bad guys, and saves the day. And now he has the chance to do that, but is in this whole but is in this like this really fucked up way where he ended up having to kill his girlfriend. Because his girlfriend got infected by one of the frogs and she has been she's been having such stress in their relationship because she's like, hey, I want you to be my parents, and or hey, I want hey, like, I, like let's talk about our future, like we want to get married, we want to have kids. What's what is where's this relationship going? But he never talks about that because he comes home just so fucking burnt out from having to deal with the bullshit of society that she then turns into a scorpion person, you know, like you do. And yeah, I'm mainly reading this because it is a really fucking weird and be fucking gorgeous. I'm just going to I'm going to look at the artist while I talk about this, but he is the art of this is goddamn incredible. This is a really good looking series. It's definitely well drawn. Gorgeous to be to fair me. when you get yeah, like like this style is never something that I would call gorgeous, but it is very detailed. Yeah, he is able to get this. He's able to get like this insane amount of detail with everything. The, like so many details on like characters. Like looking at his fucking arm gun. There's so many little veins on it and stuff floating around that make it that that this is what brought me into the series was just looking at looking at some of the art for this and just going fuck. This looks good. But again, art is an incredibly subjective thing. For me, this was fucking... For me, this was a fucking amazing looking series, which is what really drew me into it. And that's what keeps me in it, is just kind of seeing where it's going to go. Because again, tiny ball-shaped owl, what he does is he eats... What, is, what he does is, after you kill... After fucking main character murders one of these frenzied people, uh, the frog jumps out, which the owl then eats... Then he poops. Then he grinds up that poop and shoves it up the main character's nose. I assumed at least portion uh, portion of that to be the case. Yeah, so the series was made by uh, Munayuki Kaneshiro and Kensuke Nishida. I'm going to assume... You've got an image of here of the owl devouring one of the frogs. Yeah. Yeah, so. it is... There's a lot of detail that he's able to that these guys are able to put into these panels. 
Um, I'm finding the writing good. I'm liking how they, I'm liking how they like have these. I'm liking the amount. I'm liking like the way that it switches. Like especially in the first chapter, they have a lot of really very detailed and a lot of intensity behind some of these things. And they also just have borderline SD stuff. And it never feels like there's a big disconnect between the two for me. Like character design in this is really simple, but it works for me. Like, like monster design is monster design is fucking way out there. Ridiculous shit. Yeah. But that, that's actually what led me to cite parasite. Yeah. And that's what works. It works like the parasite level of just the amount of the amount of shit they are able to put into all of these monster designs. And yeah, this I'm gonna stick with this one for a while. This is again, I think, one of those things that I would have a hard time selling to people because I'm not 100 percent sure why I'm into it. Okay, well, no, I am 100 percent sure why I'm into it. It's just. The reasons I am into it would probably be the reason it would turn some people off of it. Get the feeling if this eventually gets an anime adaptation, I might be interested in that, but I'm not certain I'd be up for reading this. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, so moving on to our stuff, uh, two new straight up Shonen series. Uh, these are ones I mentioned in news a while back. Uh, U19, which I believe stands for Under 19, which is a series, which is a idea for a series that I'm a bit surprised I haven't seen more of. So in the future, uh, a political party in Japan has taken over that's called the Grown Ups Party. And the Grown Ups Party has started to pass laws throughout the country, well, pass laws throughout the country, that made it so that people under the age of 19 are second-class citizens. They have to do absolutely every single thing that adults tell them to do. Otherwise, the adults are free to just beat the shit out of them. Like, our main character has this huge scar across his forehead because when he was, like, five... He corrected a teacher's right. He he corrected a teacher's spelling of something, so the teacher grabbed one of those weird triangle things, just fucking slid him across the face with it. Mm. And so, in this world, depending on how well you do as a student, you are then graded as an adult from D to A. Uh, if you and D and depending on how that and depending on like what level you're at, that depend that that all that determines your that determines your quality of life once you become an adult. If you are D, you are a lower middle come you're you're a lower middle class family where you just kind of are you just kind of are make, making do. Like nothing extravagant, but nothing too terrible. You're not homeless. But you are still horribly ridiculed by anybody of higher class than you. If you're A class, then you are the fucking 1%. You are given the best you're given the best shit in life. You are given Every possible opportunity going forward. Main character, his family is a D class family. 
And according to him, uh, in order to like, in order for children to make it in this world, they have to have some kind of anchor to hold on to in order to make them, in order to make their lives not miserable. And his is his childhood friend, because of course it is. But after some good old fashioned eugenics, his friend is sent to a different. His friend is his friend's about to be sent off to a different school. This is a very interesting art style for this concept. Yeah. Every once in a while, it kind of almost goes horror with some with the way some of the things are drawn. Yeah, I'm trying to think of how best to summarize it. Uh, it's like if you took Baca no Test, but also added horror elements. Is how I'm kind of interpreting this art style. Okay. It's like that. that, It's definitely very like got a cartoonish manga quality to a lot of the images I'm seeing. But then every once in a while, especially with the teachers or any of the adults, it will just get like deadly serious. Yeah. Like I and I can see that. Which I... But even then, they're very deformed and distorted and... Yeah. Yeah, but I think it works. Like, I get the tone they're going for with... uh, with Oh, no, I'm not criticizing it. Uh, Again, I'm just saying it's distinctive, and I don't know that there's anything that quite looks like this. Yeah, so... they They introduced this idea in the first chapter where certain people... When a, when a, when enough stress is put on them, they unlock a special ability called libido. Okay. Because teenagers. I was about to ask: Is this is this just an element that doesn't translate well, or no? It is a. It's almost a burying the lead kind of thing, because so they introduce the idea of libido, and then it is kind of immediately fucking dashed aside because main character says, "Hey, this website is fucking monitored by the grown-ups party, so they wouldn't put shit out there." About a resistance movement. Or, or, uh, they, wouldn't, they wouldn't let shit out there about a resistance movement unless they were wholly controlling the story. Turns out, turns out that story was actually entirely true. And there is a resistance movement set up with people with libido powers. Main characters don't unlock those powers until the second chapter. The end of the second chapter. Where a fucking key and a piece of thread burst out of his pinky because he sews I guess and he shoots somebody with it and the frog jumps out of them and the owl eats it okay we know how this goes (laughs) (laughs) sorry I just detected a common thread no pun intended yeah so far of the of the new wave of like Shonen manga coming out and jump, this is the one that I am the most interested in. Yeah, th- I might actually check this out because this sounds strange, and it looks distinctive. So- yeah, like like the we can't like we can't study is something that I would need to see what it, I would need to like hear about it going forward. I would it was not something that I'd be able to like read week to week because it feels like it is just going to be. Love triangle shenanigans, which is not something that I can really get into that much. You know, something we talk about a bit. Something we talk about next is 
fine, but a bit. It's fine, but a bit flat for the premise of what it is. Mm. With this one, it seems to have like well, the right balance. Of- I do want to say before we move forward. Every image I see of the main character from U19 does put one simple thought through my head, which is, you're a wizard, Harry. <laughs> like that, <laughs> that is very much a lightning-shaped scar. Yeah. <laughs> like that so, is the- but like, but like this, one seems, this one seems to have like the right balance of stuff. Like it has the, it has a distinct art style. It has like a, and as a likable main character, like, I really like this guy. I can't remember his name. But I like where they're going with him. Like, he is a guy who, no matter what, like, will always kind of stand up for what he is. And the fact that he sews, like, the sewing thing kind of adds this weird level to him that I really like. Hmm. And, yes, this kind of seems to have the, this seems to have, like, the best driving force going forward. Because I can see where this goes. It is going to be fight the man, take them down. Overturn the world, make it better for people. And while we're at it, embroider some shit. Oh hell yeah, he's gonna be he's gonna be doing some fucking cross stitch. You won't be, you won't believe it, dude. Went, once you once you get to the fucking rebel hideout and he moves in, it's gonna be just nothing but fucking home sweet home stitched into a fucking pillow. God, and I really wasn't joking. Every new image I look at of him where the scar is visible in the back of my head, you're a wizard, Harry. Jesus. <laughs> yeah, so this one is probably going to be the one I'm going to be talking about the most going forward because I'll be keeping reading it. So yeah, U19. So far, the best of the crop. Speaking of that crop, uh, final thing, Demon Prince Poro's Diaries. So, in hell, the strongest is made king. And Poro is the son of the current king and the current number one ranked demon in hell. So once his dad retires, then he will ascend to be the king of hell. Even being as strong as he is, though, he doesn't like fighting. He likes Japan. So he leaves hell and goes to a Japanese high school to learn about Japan and just experience life outside of hell. It, okay. It is a testament to the nature of the medium that I feel like I've heard this premise before. You probably have. Like, what was that series where, like, King of the Vampires is, like, a massive otaku and he befriends a dead Japanese schoolgirl? I don't know. (sighs) To Google. But, yeah, this... This series doesn't really have anything for me. Like, I don't find the conflict interesting. And they've already established that he is the number one fighter in hell, despite the fact that he hates fighting. Blood, lad. Okay, yeah, so, like, he... 
he, he is established as being the strongest person in hell. He is – it's established in the book that he is strong enough to punch a hole through reality. So going forward, the plot seems to be demons from hell will leave hell to try to attack him at his school. That's not a threat because he's basically Saitama. But in One Punch Man, nobody knows Saitama is Saitama. So that, like, this doesn't seem to have, like, that level of self-awareness where their main character is so powerful, nothing is a threat. And the... And so, and so there's no, so there's nothing there, and then having him try to be a, and then, so having him try to be a, you know, regular high school student, that's just, oh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna try to be a high school student, but whoops, I accidentally destroyed the door open, and oh, what am I gonna do? It's like, oh, we are, oh, like, oh, we are being bullied. Please stop bullying me. Push him, and then he goes fucking flying into the next town. It's all physical humor. That doesn't really work. Because I've seen it done better in other series. Like, like Poro himself is a very tiny. He would be described as a cute person. So having a cute person with destructive power beyond imagine. Is something we have seen before. As well as done better. So yeah, this series has nothing for me. It is. It's actually one of the weaker is is the weaker starting. It is the weakest starting of these new series so far. Yeah. Like I not to be overly mean to Blood Lad, I didn't seem like a bad series, but given that this feels like a possibly inferior version of Blood Lad, does not reflect well on it. Yeah. I'm actually going to... I'm going to look something up here for a second. Because I don't know if this is actually a thing. Because, like, with anime and stuff, it is always like, hey, we have a new anime season, here are these new swath of reviews. We never really get that from manga. Like, like whenever there is a new, whenever there is a new era of manga coming out, it's it's never like, all right, so who, all right, so here are our fucking first impressions on this new season of manga or whatever. It is just, it's nothing really. That's true. Then again, I don't unlike anime where I pay close attention to the new swath of anime. I usually don't pay attention to new manga until they've gathered a following or having an adaptation done. Yeah, and I'm looking at these other fucking people and looking at Reddit and everyone's like, oh yeah, this is fucking best thing. Fuck, yeah. It's gonna be fucking great, dude. And I don't know. It's all is Poro just keeps Poro just seems kind of boring. It seems like it mm. will wear out its premise real fast unless they are able to introduce some new actual some actual new threats 
which doesn't seem like a thing because otherwise this would have happened sooner. Okay, so the previous series was the letter U, 19, not like Y-O-U or Y-U. No, yeah, the letter this U, was, 19. What the fuck was this one? Demon Prince Poro's Diaries. Okay. Yeah, even that title was just like, you, you're, yeah, you're like, trying like, too hard. Yeah, the, the, premise of, the premise of it is like, the reason that the reason that's a title is because Poro is going to be writing, Poro is writing a fucking like student exchange diary during his time on Earth. Hmm. And yeah, unless this gets like some new plot, this is going to be, I don't see, I don't even really see this lasting that long either Mm. because like I said, he is the number one fighter in hell, but he's been the number one fighter in hell for thousands of years and nobody's ever been a threat. So if there was going to be an actual threat, it would have happened before now, probably. So going forward, it's going to be he tries to he tries to act like a regular person, fails horribly. Then a demon shows up and he kills them. So I can see this sounds like a gag manga. Yes, that is definitely what this like is. This I, feels gaggy. Like even the other thing I was associating it with, which for me is not really a great comparison because I never got into it. It reminds me of Beelzebub. Beelzebub, even from the start, had a bit more plot than this, or had a bit had a bit like stronger of an idea than this. Yeah, and that's the thing. Like, I, I didn't like Beelzebub very much. I thought it was it lost my interest very rapidly. This seems like it appeals to me less. Yeah. Yeah, this this is Beelzebub if you take out any kind of like advancing threat. Cause like in Beelzebub, yeah, it was a similar kind of thing of just of just like fucking off the wall physical humor and fighting. But in that things progressed. You got a sense that he was actually moving this that this character was actually moving up in the world somehow. There are people who could actually like stand toe to toe with him and give him a run for his money. Even before he, like, even before he had demon powers. So. Well, logically ta- that's less impressive. It's like there were people that could stand up to him and take him on even before he had demon powers. After he had demon powers, he was much weaker than everybody. <laughs> okay. I'm sorry. That, that, <laughs> that was stupid. I mean, okay. even after he had demon powers. Okay. There were still people who were able to give him a run for his money. And, like, fighting actually felt important. And felt like he actually had... And I felt like he had to put effort into it. Mm. So, you, so you take that, and you strip away any struggle of the character. All you're left with is, ga- all you're left with is fucking jokes and really inconsequential fighting. And I can't really judge it because much like Beelzebub, I feel that this is a formula that really is not targeted towards me. Uh, yeah, this is a weaker like, bloodline, a weaker have, Beelzebub. Even if this turned out to be good, I have problems judging these kinds of series because, again, 
my reception towards the beginning of One Punch Man or Mob Psycho, which are have a certain certain gag quality to them, I was like, I have no idea which direction this will go. Yeah. Like, I don't know if I'll love this or hate it. I ended up loving both of them, but yeah, the start was not great for me. Yeah. On a reflection, that works, because I know that it builds into something, but... Yeah, but that's the thing. Maybe the yeah. series will maybe the series will build into something awesome. I don't know. Yeah, we'll see. Well, I, well, I won't. Other people will see. <laughs> I'll see about U nineteen, but other than that, I haven't really thought about it. But Shonen Jump is in an interesting position now because for many years they relied on their big three titles. And they haven't really served to replace them necessarily. I suppose they have titles that have definitely gained quite a bit of buzz around them, but have never quite reached the height of Bleach or Naruto. Yeah. So I I don't know. Maybe that's indicative of the shift in the community. You know, at least in the West. Because it's much harder to judge things from a Japanese perspective, obviously. But when it comes to Shonen Jump, it's hard to say if... You know, back when Bleach and Nardo first were starting to reach a Western audience, we were far more restricted in what we had access to. Yeah. So maybe it's difficult for a standout title like that to actually come about these days. Any ones they had that might have been a replacement like Fairy Tale are coming to an end right now. So it looks like the only really thing they have, like, in terms of... Well, I would say that My Hero Academia actually does have some of that quality. It's quite popular. It's got strong writing. But but in some ways, it doesn't play traditional shonen enough. Yeah, they aren't make and plus they they aren't making a move to have that be the next big thing. It just kind of is becoming the next big thing naturally. The thing, yeah. the thing that they were like pushing and that felt like it was going to be the next thing, like fairy tale. Yeah, but the thing was, uh, and I'm talking about Shonen Jump. Fairy tale was not Shonen. I think no, I think fairy tale Shonen Jump. I mean, let's let's check. Uh, I thought I was pretty certain it was with a different. Maybe I'm wrong. Weekly Shonen Magazine. Okay. Uh. Yeah, I've I've only I've kind of been. So yeah, it wasn't with uh, no Shonen Jump. Uh, but yeah, like it, I. I don't. And to be fair, there's also the fact that Fairy Tale sucks. Um. <laughs> <laughs> just to be fair i've only recently started paying attention to what books are in what magazine so and this felt like a fucking jump title i uh, its predecessor might have been I, I can't i i i don't follow that that kind of, those details that closely either but uh what was what was the name? Rave Master. 
Yeah, thank you. That was also in Shonen uh, Magazine. Okay, it was. Uh, but yeah, I'm not a big fan of uh, Fairy Tale. I gather. So, I, I read it for a while and I was like, okay, I think I know where this next arc is going. It's going to repeat the exact same things that happened in all the arcs preceding it. Characters are going to grow, but we're never going to have a sense of them growing because next arc, someone more powerful is going to show up and I'm sick of this shit. Yeah, that seems about right. And I don't, I'm not actually invested in these characters any. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that, that, yeah, that's about right. Like, the way I've often described Fairy Tale is that it, what? Looks good, though. Yeah. I've often described Fairy Tale as sort of being like someone who. It really wants to be One Piece on some level. It's got yeah. a lot of the sort of same comedy. Its main character is very much the same. But it doesn't have the same strength of character and it doesn't know to handle the progression of power with its characters very well. Yeah. One piece is one piece is kind of amazing in how it's been able to go, how it has been able to go on for this long and still be as good. Yeah. Anywho, that's what we're watching. Then on to news. So first up, with the release of the fifteenth and final volume of Akame Got Kill, uh, it has been announced that Takahiro, the writer of that, has teamed up with an artist called Strelka for a new manga. They'll be debuting on the June on the July issue of Big Gangan Magazine called Hinawa Gayuku (Parentheses Assault). That's all we know. No premise. No nothing. Just a splash page saying it's coming. And one of the characters looks ridiculously like Akame. Moving on. So, have you, Cora, ever heard of the Tokyo Anime Award Festival? It's possible I have. I don't tend to retain those kinds of details much, though. So, it's apparently the Oscars of anime? Where it is, like, uh, according to this website I'm looking at, uh, it's considered one of the highest honors in Japanese animation, and whichever anime series wins the award is considered the best anime of last year. Mm. and it's split up into three categories, one for feature film, one for TV, and then one for fan. And we have our winners for those. This seemed important, so I included news. Otherwise, it would have just been, hey, new thing, fuck whatever. Mm. So the anime movie of the year uh, is A Silent Voice. And then... And then the anime TV show of the year, as well as the anime fan award, is Yuri on Ice. Of course. I, mean, 
I could see I it winning the fan. I've not actually heard of a silent voice, but I'm actually kind of interested in this. Yeah, it's something that's been it's something that's been on my radar for a while, like as a manga. Um, they just kind of never got around to. There was another standout that was considered an Oscar snub, and I'm trying to think of what it was. It's the one about uh, the scenario is sort of a bizarre romance drama that involves a body swap. And I can't quite bring the title to mind. I can think of like three series that that, 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 that description could work with. Well, it was a movie from last year. Uh, ah, fuck, fuck, shit. I, I know it. I know what it is. Yeah, I know. Fuck. I'm going through the exact same thing. Uh, I can actually figure this out pretty quickly now that I think about it. Uh, mm. Let me see. Just have to go over here. Um, might be. This is the content you're looking for, motherfuckers. <laughs> Some jackasses yeah. Googling shit. <laughs> it's going to bug me otherwise. And I'm really... It's not ocean waves. That wasn't it. It's really bugging me that I can't find this... Oh, your name. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. Yeah, sorry. That was going to just be rattling around in my head I needed to find out the answer yeah I have been I, I this has been something that I have been interested in a bit but I haven't really gotten the chance to look into it that much or really the desire to look into it that much like it's been yeah this looks kind of interesting but eh. Yeah, so that's gonna do it for this week. Hmm. Thank y'all for joining us. <laughs> we'll be back in two weeks' time with episode of the Estoprods.com and a man manga podcast. In between now and then, we're gonna be having our regular run news, maybe reviews, podcasts. Ow! Kinds of bullshit, but. Until then, I'm dead. And I'm Cora. We'll see you guys next time. <laughs>